Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Anita J and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Massachusetts. Today is Wednesday, December 27th, 2017, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book and we are on page eight in Bill's story. We're beginning with the third paragraph near the end of that bleak. We're reading through seven paragraphs ending with last longer than his preaching. We'll be commenting on all. Today's readers are for the 12 steps, Katie G, the 12 Traditions, Lauren N. And readers of the text this morning are Carmela G. and Hoodie R. The share IDs for yesterday, Tuesday, December 26th, are for the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting, 10,838. And the 10 a.m., 10,840. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. And a vision for you, big book study, our message, is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Katie G to read OA's 12 steps. Good morning, Anita. Good morning, my fellows. This is Katie G, recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic. And here are the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, 
humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to be of service, and I pass. Thank you, Katie G. And now I will ask Lauren N. to read OA's 12 Traditions. Good morning, Anita. This is Lauren N. Can you hear me? Yes, thank you. The 12 Traditions. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscious. Our leaders are but trusted service, servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to compulsive overeaters who still suffer. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ social workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, the pub, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you all, and I will pass. Thank you so much, Lauren N. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. 
Our abstinence requirement for moderator is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, and then press star one to remute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we're resuming our study of the big book in Bill's story, and we are on page eight, beginning with the third paragraph, which begins near the end of that bleak. We're reading through seven paragraphs, which end with last longer than his preaching, and we'll be commenting on all. So we're going to begin. I have asked um, Carmela G. to get us rolling. Good morning, Carmela. Good morning, Anita. Thank you so much. This is Carmela G. from New York. Thank you allowing me, for allowing me to do service. Near the end of that bleak November, I sat drinking in my kitchen. With a certain satisfaction, I reflected there was enough gin concealed about the house to carry me through that night and the next day. My wife was at work. I wondered whether I dared hide a full bottle of gin near the head of our bed. I would need it before daylight. My musing was interrupted by the telephone. The cheery voice of an old school friend asked if he might come over. He was sober. It was years since I would re- could remember his coming to New York in that condition. I was amazed. Rumor had it that he had been committed for alcoholic insanity. I wondered how he had escaped. Of course he would have dinner, and then I could drink openly with him. Unmindful of his welfare, I thought only of recapturing the spirit of other days. There was that time we had chattered, charted an airplane to complete a jag. His coming was an oasis in this dreary desert of futility. The very thing, an oasis. Drinkers are like that. The door opened and he stood there, fresh-skinned and glowing. There was something about his eyes. He was inexplicably different. What had happened? I pushed a drink across the table. He refused it. Disappointed but curious, I wondered what had got into the fellow. He wasn't himself. Come, what's all this about, I queried. He looked straight at me, simply but smilingly. He said, I've got religion. I was aghast. So that was it. Last summer, an alcoholic crackpot, now I suspected a little cracked about religion. 
He had that starry-eyed look. Yes, the old boy was on fire all right, but bless his heart, let him rant. Besides, my gin would last longer than his preaching. Well, this reminds me of the days gone by when the food was my master, and I would get a call from my friends. Pamela, after work, want to have dinner? Well, all day I would obsess, not about the fun times we could have or the enjoyable company and conversation, but, oh, we're going to go to such and such restaurant, and I'm going to have blah, 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 blah. And it just, oh, the thoughts filled my head. And luckily now, now, when I've been invited at various times and people realize that I'm in program, they say, oh, you pick the restaurant because we'll go where you will be able to have something. And I say, no, I can have, I will find something to satisfy my and nourish my body. I just am joining you for the company. And that is what my higher power does for me. The whole inside is filled. I don't have to shove in all of the nonsense that I was shoving in and shoving down. Now, I am filled with joy and happiness through other means, through seeing people happy, through through seeing the brightness in their eyes, to living in the sunlight of the spirit. That's what this program does, and for that, I am grateful every day. Thank you for allowing me to share and do service. I pass. Thanks so much, Carmela. Who else would like to share? This is Larry. Charles Larry H. Larry and Harlan and Charles. Okay, we're starting with Kim, our guy. Kim J. from South Jersey. Julie Kim M. Kim That's the key way to write. I've got to read my own handwriting. Julie M. Okay. Sue G. Sue G. from Michigan. Lauren N. Lauren N. Lauren N. Oh, that's perfect. That's just perfect. Thank you all, too. I think I got you all. We're going to start with Larry, then Harlan, and then Charles. Good morning, Larry. Good morning. Good morning, Anita. It's Larry K., recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. I'll, I'll chime in here. Um, you know, I'm I'm just going to try to connect the historical dots leading up to Ebby's sobriety on that bleak November day. So let's remember that Roland Hazard, who was under the care of Dr. Jung in Switzerland, it was 1931, and he was told that he was absolutely doomed. And when pressed by Roland, Dr. Jung said that, you know, there were rare exceptions. And he said that alcoholics on, on very rare occasions had these vital spiritual experiences, these, these huge emotional displacements and rearrangements, right? And uh, making room for new stuff. And, and that religious conviction wasn't enough. And, and uh, so the bottom line was that Roland, you know, got hooked up with the, uh, the Oxford groupers and Reverend Sam Shoemaker, and he, he applied the six tenets of the Oxford group. 
And those were complete deflation, dependence on God, moral inventory, confession, restitution, and then, you know, continuation of working with others in need. See, this was passed on to Ebby from Roland Hazard. And we're reading this morning how Ebby is going to pass it on to Bill. And see, December 27th, 2017, you're just another link in the chain. I'm just another link in the, in the, in the spiritual history, right? And if you're like me, this, is, this was the only way you're going to escape. If you have the twofold nature of this disease, this is the only way you're going to escape. You know, there, there's no pill or pixie dust or anything on the horizon. Um, you can keep searching for that. But if you're, if you're like me and you have that alcoholic mind, this is the way you escape, is having a spiritual transformation. And so Ebby is going to show up here, and he's going to pass along to Bill what was so freely given to him. And, you know, to me, uh, when we look at, um, you know, being in the right place at the right time, maybe you're in the right place at the right time here today, December 27, 2017. But there's something more important. It's recognizing that you're in the right place at the right time, being aware that you're in the right place at the right time. That was important for Bill. He was in the right place at the right time. It was divine in nature, but he had to recognize that. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Larry Kay. Harlan G., good morning to you. You're up. Thanks, Anita, and thanks to Team Wednesday for making this magnificent meeting possible. I'm Harlan G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. We're looking at something here that is going to change the course of the world. We're looking at something here that is going to join in Bill Wilson not only the problem that he got from Silkworth. What is the problem? The problem is the buildup of emotions, but what did he get as a problem? He got as the problem the mental twist and the physical allergy. And now, because of what Larry has just said, Roland Hazard, now I'm going to really truncate this into like a microcosm here, Roland Hazard goes to Dr. Jung in Switzerland. Jung tells him that he is an alcoholic of the hopeless variety. We're talking about the American businessman from, from uh, page 29. Uh, he, he goes into the Oxford group in New York. He, he and this guy, Sebra Graves Jr., are going to hear on a tr- when they go to East Dorset, Vermont, about Ebby Thatcher getting in trouble with the police for his drunken behavior. They knew Ebby. And they, Sebra Graves Jr. goes to the judge in the case, who is Sebra Graves Sr., is it odd or is it God, to release Ebby to their care. Now, who is Ebby Thatcher? Why is he so key here? What does Dr. Silkworth tell us in the doctor's opinion? He tells us that in order for the message to be carried, it must have depth and weight. If he would have sent some schlub off the street to talk to Bill Wilson about a spiritual experience or a spiritual awakening as a result of steps, that he had a religious solution to the problem of alcoholism, Bill would have slammed the door at 182 Clinton Street in his face and continued drinking. But he sent Ebby Thatcher. Ebby and Bill had done lots of drinking together. 
Ebby comes into the Oxford Group meeting movement in September of 1934, when the judge releases him to the care of Sebra Graves Jr. and Roland Hazard III. They bring him to New York. He's there in September. September to October is one month. October to November is two months. And he is now told he must go give testimony. And he thinks who he can give testimony to and he, that he won't embarrass himself. And he thinks about Bill Wilson. And Bill Wilson opens the door at 182 Clinton Street and there's Ebby Thatcher, someone that he knows is a drunk. And the evidence is indisputable that Ebby is sober. So it was unbelievable. So he's got, now he's going to fight it. We're going to read in the next few days how he fights this spiritual solution. He doesn't like this God idea. But we're going to see that the evidence is overwhelming and indisputable. And the course of history will change. Is Bill Wilson the first person that ever got the solution and the problem together? We don't know. But what we can be assured of is that he will be the first human being in the history of planet Earth to get the information of the solution and the problem, and he will move it forward so that we could be here this morning. When we walk mm-hmm. in here, we walk here and here on the shoulders of giants, and these are some of them. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Um, Charles H., good morning to you. Good morning, Anita J. Thank you for your service. And you already mentioned my name, so there's no need to even uh, <laughs> go there. Um, so I want to I wanna lock into a, a couple of uh, pieces in, in these seven paragraphs. I wonder how he escaped, um, not by himself, <laughs> you know, and, 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 and uh, yeah. Uh, and this call, when the telephone jangled, is the most important call in 12-step history, the other one being in Chapter 11, A Vision for You, um, when Bill called, you know, all those people to get a hold of Dr. Bob. So um, I wonder how he escaped. He escaped through the certain ideas that we hear in the doctor's opinion that every passed on to Bill W. These are the same ideas which transformed the world of recovery. Um, these same ideas that I need to continue to transform um, this world. And I, I am so eternally grateful. And, and you know, the disputes that um, Hank P. and uh, Fitz, Fitz Mayo and, and um, uh, what's his name, that newcomer, uh, Jimmy, Jimmy B. had, um, they're still having it today. And it doesn't have to be like that, but it is what it is. And... Um, the simple religious idea is just I can't, you know, I, I can't by myself, you know, and, and that's how I have escaped through, you know, I can't do this by myself. I can't do this alone. I still can't do this alone, you know, and that's the simple religious idea. The four absolutes and the six tenets, they got transformed into a skill set that, I can utilize every single day, you know, and I'm eternally grateful. And, and, and my responsibility, you know, as, as 
as a recovered person is to try to pass it on to others. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Charles H. Uh, it'll be Kim G. followed by Julie M. Good morning, Kim. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm sorry. I didn't think you heard my name. I didn't hear you say my name. Okay. This oh, is Kim I G. heard it. Okay. <laughs> this is Kim G. I'm a little dis- disheveled right now. Let me put my timer on. Um, my name is Kim G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. And thank you for hearing my name. I'm just vibrating with excitement um, with this, what we're reading today. So what I'm really zoning in on is he was sober versus inexplicably different and something about his eyes. You know, I don't know about you guys, but I've been in meetings where, you know, maybe a person on my left has, you know, 10, you know, she's been absent a long time and she's sharing and she's never worked a step. Damn, damn proud of it. You know, very tool focused. And she's saying, I've been absent for 10 years, four months, two weeks, and three hours. Because the tension is vibrating on that person because they don't have a solution. They're just living in restless, irritable, and discontent one day at a time fighting the food. Then the other side of me is somebody who's six months absent and been through the steps. They're light, laughter, joyous, and free. You know, what's that difference? What is, what is Ebby seeing? I mean, Bill's seeing an Ebby. He's seeing Ebby sober, but what's the difference? You know, to me, this is a difference I felt after many years in a way and walking into a meeting where there were actually people that were recovered, not people in Overeaters Anonymous like me who, who were in the room in, 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 a, in a group therapy support that supported maybe not picking up today. You know, I often hear people say, I want this vision for you. I want, can I have the format? Can I have the format? But I can tell you, there's nothing magical about the format. What is the electricity you're hearing on the line in a meeting like Vision for You, which is simply a beautiful example of a healthy Overeaters Anonymous meeting? It's recovery. It's recovered members. I mean, if you think about it, think about the people that you get excited when you hear they're going to share, when you're in that lineup. You know, do you know what they do for a living? Do you know if they're married, if they have kids? Good reason you may not. Why? Because they're talking about recovery. They're talking about the problem, the solution, and the program of action. I don't know about you guys, but many of my meetings, I know the intimate details of people's lives. A lot of the meetings I attended were basically fifth steps. So early in my recovery, what did I have to do? I had to seek that solution. I had to seek people that were inexplicably different. I had to seek out people where there was something in their eyes. And personally, I couldn't find that in my local OA meetings. I had to go out to AA. And I found AA is just as sick as OA. And I had to seek meetings that were big book oriented, that I was listening to podcast after podcast. So we often hear, you know, I, I need a sponsor. I want someone with a lot of time. I have to tell you, that person I just described who had 10 years, 4 years, never worked a step, but was skinny maybe and just you know, white-knuckling it, I don't want that person. I want the person who's 6 months, been through the step, is light and free. So I, you know, if you're looking for a sponsor right now, to me there's two requirements. You want someone that has put down the food first, walked through these steps and had a spiritual awakening of these steps, because they're inexplicably different, and they can bring you through this book so you can have that experience yourself. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Kim G. Julie M., and then it'll be Sue G., and then Lauren N. Good morning, Julie M. Hi, good morning. Thank you for your service. This is Julie M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. <clears throat> um, 
I would like to share on the line, I've got religion. Um, When I came into the rooms, the talk of God um, pretty much terrified me. But I looked around and I saw people that were happy, that were laughing, that were thin. And at first that actually made me really angry because I thought, why is this full of thin women? It really, really bothered me. And I I didn't understand what was happening until I'd been there for a while. And I started hearing them share their stories and realizing that they did the same, you know, bizarre behavior with food that I did, even if it wasn't exactly the same, it was in the same line. And that we came from the same, I just, I felt at home. And, um, you know, as as I worked through the steps, I realized that it wasn't about religion and it wasn't about thinking about God a certain way. It was that I, I, I realized I can't do it. I don't know how to do this. But something greater than myself can. And so it allowed me to let go and to realize that I had no control over anything I was doing with food. And I had to surrender it and give it away. And I am definitely of the educational variety. That was not easy for me. Um, I came in thinking that for sure there was no God. God did not exist. And, um, you know, that I'd been completely, when I found out that God did exist or something greater than myself, I I felt less than when I thought there was no God because how could the things that had happened to me happen if there was a God? And I worked through that with my sponsor. I worked through that with um, working the steps and having a spiritual awakening and going through experiences where I knew that there was something greater than me working in the situation. And that could have been things like looking at a plate of food and knowing it was abstinent or knowing it wasn't abstinent. Um, but, But it's not just with the food. Calling in God for support with my 92-year-old dad who was here visiting and just asking God in, in moments of wanting to argue, let me come from a place of love. And it's like everything just washes away when I remember to bring God in and when I seek the presence of God in my life. Um, and so the solution for me in this program is the spiritual solution, is connecting to God. And without it, I don't know where I'd be, but I, I wouldn't be as happy, joyous, and free as I am right now and in a normal-sized body. So I'm, I'm yeah. grateful. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Perfect. Thank you, Sue. I mean, Julia. Now, Sue G, followed by Lauren. Good morning, Sue G. Hi. <clears throat> um, good morning. This is Sue G from Michigan. I recovered recovered by the grace of God. Um, in the preface, you know, it says, you know, we're not a religious organization, and then they go in to list all the different religions that are made up of this first hundred people. We don't stress any particular religion, but we cooperate with religious people. There's something about the eyes of someone who has faith that's shinier, someone who's recovered and has a spiritual experience. 
not just religion. I came in with religion. But as I worked the steps, especially step 11, I grew and grew in my spiritual experience. Um, Debbie had those eyes. And later we'll hear what uh, what Harlan already brought up and Larry already brought up about the six concepts. You know, in in the um, in one of the stories that also mentions the six concepts, um, the six religious. You know that. You know he. Debbie was released on just the word of two people that said we got we got some religious ideas that we think will. Um, pull him through, and we think we can help him with those. Um, so it's not a religious organization, but we're certainly a lot of religious people that are, in a way, and I don't hide it when I work with my sponsees. If they ask me, I they say who my higher power is. I mention um, who it is. I don't stress it on them, but I think it's important to have one and to have God. I think the whole the word. I think in one of the meetings I talked about how many times God is mentioned, and. Um, I just, um, like, you know, like others have said, I, I think this is spiritually written. I think this is, God wrote this book with Abby's help, or Bill wrote it with, with the Holy Spirit's help, with, with God's help. And um, and I just, um, I thank you all for helping me. And uh, with that, I pass. Thanks very much, Sue G. And Lauren N., it's now your turn. Good morning. Good morning, all visionaries. Lauren N., compulsive overeater, sugar addict, recovered for today. Thank God. Wow, this whole um, reading today, I could relate. I could so relate to him writing about what a crackpot. My gin would last longer than his preaching. When I came into these rooms back, oh, 30 years ago, the first time, 35 years ago, the first time I heard the word God and I ran out. I've heard this story so many times by so many people. And I came in again 20 years ago or 30 years ago and then 20 years ago and then 10 years ago and finally I came in crawling, crawling on my hands and knees four years ago and I've stayed. And boy, you know what? I, at the beginning I thought, let me just ignore this God stuff and now I believe because God, I had to get to the point where I was totally, totally surrendered 
where I was like Bill, where I said my cake, candy, cookies, anything from bakery boxes and plastic bags would last much longer than anybody who preached to me because I knew the answer. I could just follow another diet. But guess what? I was of the variety that Bill was where I had all those goodies hidden all around my house and I was spending so much money on food and I had been brought to my knees by food. Two bariatric surgeries, diabetes, my doctors were telling me I would not live much longer or I would or I would lose my feet or something like that because of the diabetes because I was already starting to have neuropathy and I was 52 years old and I didn't want to live thank God today I wake up and I feel happy joyous and free to be alive And it's with the help of all of you on this line. The historians and the non-historians. Thank you all for being there. And I pass. Thank you so much, Lauren Ann. Who else would like to share? Nessa R. Melissa R. Leah M. All right, hold on. I think that's going to do it. Leah M. I have um, Nessa R, and I have Melissa and Leah and Ginger C, and there was one more. Reggio. Reggio, okay. Give it to me, but I don't know. Mary Lee R in Oregon. Mary Lee R, okay. All right, Nessa, good morning. All right. Hi, thank you. Good morning, Vision for you. This is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, what struck me this morning was I've got religion. Um, because before I came into the rooms, and even while I struggled in the rooms, I had religion. You know, a lot, at least I thought I did. I, I, uh, I believed in God, sure. And I believed that he could do anything um, he wanted to, but it wasn't working for me, you know. I, I prayed with all my might, you know, God, please make me sin. And I made deals with God. You know, God, I promise if you let me eat everything I want and still be sin, I will never sleep, uh, speak gossip for the rest of my life. Uh, and on and on. And, and it didn't work. And it didn't work. And I didn't, I didn't understand why it didn't work until I started working the steps in the, in the big book, you know, and it didn't work because all this time um, I was really worshiping another God, you know, the God of food and also the God of self, you know, uh, I was going to food for my sense of even comfort to help me cope with life. And I was driven by self-will. It was what I wanted, what I thought would make me happy. I knew what was best for me, and I knew what was best for everybody else. And I bulldozed my way through the lives of others, you know, trying to impose my will. And none of that was, was um, 
was working very well. And this is something that I, I actually um, um, ask my, my students often that I never asked myself in those days is, where is God in all this? And of course, God was nowhere to be found. You know, God was my, my errand boy. You know, do this for me, do that for me. And it didn't work very well. Um, I, I needed first to get rid of my other gods before um, there was room for, for the real God, for the real solution that has actually solved all my problems. Um, you know, the first thing that had to go, of course, was the food. Because God's not going to compete with another God, you know. I have two gods, but I can only serve one master, and so the food had to go. I had to put all my trigger foods, all my trigger ingredients, all my trigger behaviors down, you know, once and for all, cold turkey, um, 100%, you know, with no margin for error or negotiation. And then I had to get rid of myself, you know, uh, my self-will, and um, that can only be done through working the 12 steps in abstinence. Um, and once, once I did that, then there was room for God. Then I emerged, you know, into step 11, you know, to truly have a real relationship with God where what matters is not what I want or more likely what I want to eat, but what is it that God wants from me? What is it that God demands from me? You know, it was no longer what I needed. It is what I am needed for. And this is total, thank you, the guiding principle of my life and the amazing transformation that takes place as a result of working the steps uh, more than, you know, I've got religion and with that I pass. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Melissa and then Leah. Hi. Good morning. Can you just repeat what you're up to in the book? We're on page eight and there's seven paragraphs. Okay, go ahead, Melissa. Hi, good morning, Anita J. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C. Recovered, compulsive overeater in New York, and just starting my timer. Um, I've got it. Yeah. Okay, good. Um, so, you know, I have like very clear memories of that satisfied feeling that um, I would get, you know, when I knew that I had food <laughs> available to me, you know, that the promise. For me, it was like the promise of the binge um, was almost more satisfying um, as actually that first bite, you know, knowing that I had stuff hidden around the house or knowing that I was going to hit the drive through on the way home from work. Um, that was sometimes what got me through the day. And I could kind of, I could really relate to Bill in that part when the house would be empty. Um, it, you know, there was a time like as soon as, the door closed like a reflex. I would go for the food. And I remember um, how hard it was to be home alone when I was trying to get abstinent um, because it was such an ingrained behavior. And, you know, yet today um, when I'm in the house alone, I, it's not even think about the food. It could be, the cupboards could be stuffed, you know, with everything. Um, and I don't, it's not, it's not even entering my mind, you know. Um, you know, and when Bill's friend comes over, he's sober and seemingly different. Um, Bill is, like, so selfish. He doesn't care that his friend, like, escaped, uh, in, you know, an institution. Um, he's so delusional and so selfish. He's thinking, 
somewhere about chartering a plane, you know, to complete a jag. Um, he was just told he's going to die, and fear didn't sober him up, and he's already thinking about how fun it would be, you know, and that's the insanity of this disease. And and now today I'm also thinking about um, that I am more like his friend. You know, I could look like the crackpot. I've got religion. There's something inexplicably different in my eyes. And am I bringing that to the bills in my life? You know, how am I, how am I bringing that? I have some very dear friends who I'm sure they're suffering with this. And I have to be a little bit fearless um, in stating my truth and carrying the message to them without shoving it down their throat. And, um, you know, and I think especially now as we enter the new year, we're going to come into contact with a lot of people who are desperate. And, and I'm hoping that they can see those of us and hear those of us who are recovered, um, who have something, you know, meaningful to share. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thanks so much, Melissa C. Leah M. followed by Ginger C. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, Anita. Thank you so much. Those three words, he wasn't himself, is what jumped out at me this morning. He wasn't himself. You know, and that's the whole point of the program of recovery is a transformation, a personality change sufficient to overcome compulsive overeating. I didn't get that message or that understanding for uh, quite a while in Overeaters Anonymous. I, I, didn't, I didn't understand it. I kept looking at the solution as a physical solution, you know, merely the removal of binge substances and only that, you know, and so therefore it was a constant fight. I didn't understand that it was about a change. You know, when Bill tells his story or when we share with those who still suffer, we share what we used to be like, what happened, and what we're like now. There's a difference from the beginning to the end because the same person will eat again. You know, we're changed in the way we think, we're changed in the way we feel, and we're changed especially, of course, in the way we behave because all action is born in thought. So what what is my thinking? Is my thinking aligned with the spirit today? And that's the process of the 12 steps. The 12 steps has turned me inside out from a life-taking habit of self-obsession. And we, we read about Bill's self-obsession here uh, in the passages to a life-giving desire for service to others. It is a complete turning inside out. You know, um, I'm just not the same person. My whole prism through which I look at life is completely changed. It's completely different. And that's as a result of the work that uh, I undertook uh, with the guidance of someone in whom the problem had been solved and the, and the work that I continue uh, to do because life doesn't stop and there's always opportunities for growth. You know, we're, we're very... Um, you know, we all know our abstinence dates, you know, and, and that's important. That's certainly important. But I would love to be able to tell you the day that my self-loathing left. I have no idea when that happened. I can just tell you it did. Or the day that I stopped having a critical tongue. You know, I just, I don't lash out at people today. It's just remarkable. It's not anything of my doing. 
uh, deep resentments, resentments against the people who love me and raise me, tish, gone. <laughs> you know, the day that I was no longer suicidal, I don't know that day. I don't know that day. I don't know the day that I was able to love you despite whatever the human flaws that you possess. You know, I don't know those days. All I know is that those qualities became possible because of this work and continue to be possible because of the continuing of the work. Change. That's what this whole program is all about. Thanks. I pass. Thanks so much, Liam. Ginger and then Reggio. Ginger C. Yes, thank you so much, Anita, for your service this morning. This is Ginger C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. Um, so what had happened to Evie here, you know, he was not himself. So he followed precisely, exactly, 100% these clear-cut directions that he was given. He did the work and he got into action and he got results. You know, Evie's had a personality change sufficient to bring about recovery from alcoholism. And there are many on the lines right now and many more outside the door that have no idea that there's hope to this food nightmare that they're in. And that's what's so vital right now with this message. And it's so simple. You know, XXII reminds us at its core, it remains simple and personal. Each day, somewhere in the world, recovery begins when one alcoholic talks with another alcoholic. That's as simple as it gets. And we share our experience, strength, and hope. Because they need to see the hope. They need to see the light. They need to see your eyes shining bright. Their eyes are dark. And they don't know how to get out. And they don't ever think they will get out. So I love page 77. I get to carry this message to alcoholics and be of maximum service to God and the people about us. Because, again, there are many that are suffering And I have a light today because I'm in fit spiritual condition. I have a daily reprieve. I wash, rinse, repeat. I can't rest on yesterday's work for today's recovery. And with this, I get to avert misery and death. So I'm so grateful for this book and these directions and that I finally found it and I'm in it and I hope I never get out of it. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much, Ginger. Reggio, good morning. Hi, good morning, and uh, thank you, Anita, for all your great service. It's wonderful to hear everybody this morning and to be here. I'm gratefully recovered in the Los Angeles area. And, uh, you know, I was looking at this just thinking, I have a very long history in Overeaters Anonymous and in and out of Overeaters Anonymous. And I was looking at that first, that line, um, the paragraph above where we started today, fear sobered me for a bit. And that was uh, that was when I uh, came into a vision for you back in um, August of uh, 2016, and that was fear had sobered me for a bit, and I had remembered hearing about a vision for you and uh, picked up the phone, uh, but it was at 4 a.m. in the morning for me, and I thought, well, I get up at five, but before four is a little, a little bit too much, and. Uh, but I started listening to the recordings. I listened to them for a week, <clears throat> and boy, did I, I really hear! I, I heard, you know, I heard the, I heard the Ebbies on these recordings, and um, 
I, uh, and then the following week, I automatically started waking up around a quarter of four without my alarm. And I thought, well, that's, you know, okay. I got the message, but I didn't know that I was going to continue, needed to work the steps again because I had, I had worked them, but not the way I know how to work them today. And, um, uh, and I picked up, you know, I picked up after a month and then, um, and then I got, I got a, got someone to take me through the steps. And, you know, it's just, uh, it's just so amazing to me, uh, what really happens in the beautiful wholeness of this program and how it all started. You know, it all started with, in some respects, with Ebby, uh, and, and he was fresh skinned and glowing and there was something about his eyes. He was inexplicably different. And he came to Bill, you know, he came to Bill because that's what he was told. That was a part of what he told he had to do. And it's wild that he came, that had that not happened, you know, who knows where we, who knows where we would all be today, but we certainly wouldn't be where we are. And the difference that made in Bill's life and Bill made in the lives of so many people, millions, you know, at this point uh, around the world would have never happened were it not for what is for us today, the 12th step, you know, getting recovered and then going out and carrying the message to other compulsive overeaters. And it, it, it just, you know, it's just like waves, you know, we, we help one person and they help other people and they become different in their family and community. And it's just that, you know, much more of the world has changed besides that one person, but that one person is plenty. And, and I was listening today with, uh, you know, our message, you know, it says our primary purpose is to carry the message to other compulsive overeaters. And our message is that you can recover through the practice of abstinence and the 12 steps and 12 traditions, which the six, it's the six step program of, you know, that this started out as evolved into the 12 step program and uh, which is what we do. And it's just amazing how, you know, we we also become that person who has something about their eyes who's right. inexplicably different, and we carry that forward. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks so much, Reggio. Mary Lee, you've got two minutes. Are you there? Mary Lee in Oregon? Or Oregon? Mary Lee. Hello. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes, now I can. Go ahead. Two minutes. This is Mary Lee R. in uh, Eugene, Oregon. And on this very day, December 27, 2005, I met my Ebby. And it was on a cruise ship. And I, at the end of that cruise, I was scheduled for bypass surgery. Hooray, hooray, that I met my Ebby. But it wasn't until this very day in July of 2012 that um, I started on a vision for you and I started utilizing the steps as they are written, not as uh, Mary Lee thought that they should be written. And I'm just so grateful and I'm so grateful for everything that I've heard this morning and all my podmates that we share this journey and that there is a solution. And I just love all the wisdom and the words that I've heard so far. And that's all. I'm getting ready to uh, go to a face-to-face OA meeting. And thank you. Thank you for letting me share. Thanks so much. Go on in there glowing with a new look in your eye. All right. I want to thank everybody who shared and to tell you that the um, 
ID for the meeting we've just uh, been enjoying is 10,843. 10,843 for the 7 a.m. meeting. And now we will close as we um, always do this part with uh, page 164. And um, Hoodie R, would you please read a vision for you for us? Hi, thank you so much, Anita, for your service. My name is Hoodie R, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in, a, in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own health is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fast for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.